is the Annex A Sociology Podcast. I'm Joseph Cohen from Queens College in the City University of New York. Today we talk about the federal government shutdown in the United States. My co-panelists are Netta McBooley from the University of Toronto and Bart Bonikowski from Harvard University. Our discussion was recorded on January 31st, 2019. So yesterday, uh, we're recording on January 31st today, there was talk of a bipartisan effort to end government shutdowns. Basically, they're proposing that if lawmakers can't reach an agreement on spending, they're going to institute mechanisms that will automatically fund parts of the government. So whole debate about this. First off, I don't think we talked about the shutdown in general. Uh, what, what were your reactions to this this whole shutdown? Nada, do you want to go first? <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> well, it was uh, I was kind of craning my neck from up here in Canada uh, because, yeah. as one of the Americans of Canadian sociology, it's been interesting to see my my home country devolve in a myriad number of ways. And so, the shutdown was the most recent thing that I was just you know refreshing Google constantly to see what new calamity befell my home country, right? Everything from like um, national forests getting ransacked, right? Something like Joshua Tree through, of course, the different kinds of um, issues that it's created for many, many categories of federal workers. So it was, um, it was something that I was aware of and keeping track of from up here in Canada, but I have a sense that perhaps you guys felt the brunt of this maybe more than I did. Wait, Netta, before we switch, uh, what, what were they saying up there about it? How were they presenting it? Uh, as a foreshadowing of the future that we'll have <laughs> with Doug Ford and the rest of the <laughs> cast of characters who are, who are really emerging as like populist heroes up here. <laughs> yeah, just uh, for those who don't know, in Ontario, the Ontario Premier, Premier, which is like the equivalent of a governor, is a Trump-style politician who is brother of the famed uh, crack-smoking uh, mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford. But anyhow, that's for another episode. Bart, what was your take? How'd you react to the uh, the shutdown? Well, I think there are two dimensions to it. On one hand, there was the, the human cost of shutting down the government. I mean, I think the shutdown revealed just how precarious federal jobs are, yeah. and in particular, federal contractors' jobs. Federal contractors are not getting back pay. Mm-hmm. So any of the idea of federal workers lining up at food banks, not having savings to tie them over the crisis, it was really heartbreaking. And then, of course, the, the issue of what happens when federal authority over national parks and other federal services discontinue. And, you know, what happened in Joshua Tree is just one example of that. But I think that the second dimension to the shutdown was that it revealed the incompetence of Donald Trump, of our president, uh, in conducting regular government business. I think he had a losing hand from the beginning. He didn't know it. He didn't know how to manage it. It revealed that he, you know, I mean, it revealed. And we all know he's a terrible negotiator. We uh, we all know that, that a lot of what he says is just bluster. But I think it may have revealed some of that to at least a subset of his supporters. In some ways, the shutdown laid bare the fact that, that he really doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, I think there was also an interesting gender dimension to it, which isn't, hasn't been fully explored, I think, the notion that, that he got outmaneuvered by a woman. I think that probably, given his dispositions, hurt him pretty badly and may have added another sort of, uh, thrown some more salt into the wound with respect to his supporters. But yeah, I think that the point is that, that it was just an abysmal failure by the administration, and there are no two ways about that. I got, I got the sense that a lot of this, the underlying question wasn't a policy one, but it was going to be who's going to kiss the ring 
Pelosi or Trump. Like in the minds of many voters, that's really what was at stake here. Uh, do do you think I'm off base on that one, or uh, do you think there are, is a genuine like uh, concern or desire for a wall? Does anybody really think it's a solution to anything? Um, <laughs> I think it's I think it's entirely symbolic. There's very low. I mean, that's the other actually. You know, in terms of the the consequences of the shutdown, I think it also revealed the fact to many people that there's just very little support for the wall among Republican politicians and among the public. Right. So this is the purely symbolic policy on Trump's part. He's wants to deliver the wall because A, he promised it repeatedly during the campaign and B, because it's a it's a domination game for him. Right. And and so no one really, truly believes that this thing is going to help protect American national security or American jobs or, or you know, whatever, whatever arguments he comes up with. So it's really just a, a struggle for for getting his own way against the tide of public opinion and against the tide of, of democratic resistance and lack of interest in his own party. I think it was a gross miscalculation. You know, I remember when the Republicans got control of the House under Obama and basically started pushing for austerity during like a huge economic downturn. And I guess the idea is that you can just mess up the economy and everybody just gets mad and you help your electoral chances down the line. And I I saw the Democrats as... You know, if they were very Machiavellian about this, they're in basically the same situation. Like, what problem would they have with the economy burning down under Trump's, you know, under Trump's uh, administration? It, it would probably yeah. for a minute. And it made me think, who's that? There's a, 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 I think it's a political scientist or an economist out of Harvard, uh, Darren Asimoglu. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, uh, uh, he's at MIT. Oh, he's at MIT. I knew he was out in, in Cambridge. But he uh, it was really interesting. You know, he I remember him writing an article about how underdevelopment is exacerbated because the government is always destroying part of its own economy. And the idea is like somebody gets control of the government and then they sort of try to damage their opponent's economic sort of, you know, basis. And uh, with a circulation of elites, what you basically have is the government just turning its wrath over different parts of its internal economy. And I'm starting to see that happening here. Like the government, like these austerity, these shutdowns are very damaging, but the party out of power really has no incentive not to do it. And so we have to, you know, we have a government doing harm. Yeah, if you want to jump in, I have a reaction to that, but I don't want to. I don't want no, to please go ahead. I mean, the only thing I would say is that that I think in the United States, voters do punish the party that imposes economic pain for no good reason. And so I think in this case, the reason why Democrats had such a strong hand was that Trump telegraphed the fact that this shutdown is his, that he will take the blame for it. And as soon as workers threatened strikes, as soon as it became clear that there will be a price to pay, the shutdown ended. So I think the, the, the difference here is that there are actually costs to be borne by those who impose a government shutdown. And this was the longest shutdown in history, and things began to crack very quickly. So I think that this becomes a political game. How does blame attribution work, right? Who gets blamed for the shutdown? If it's quite clear that one party will take all the blame, eventually that party will fold. Yeah. I think, and what Trump tried to do in the midst of the shutdown was to shift the blame to the Democrats, but that just wasn't a viable option given uh, his own arguments and, and sort of the clear way in which the process unfolded.
Yeah, I think that his um, his mouthpieces and people that were speaking on his behalf, like his economic advisors that were on the news, would consistently go back to their party line that this wasn't going to have an impact on the economy and that this was uh, a sort of bulletproof uh, effort on his part. But then when you have these images of the food lines and just the total damage that it did to everyday people's lives, I think the idea that this shutdown didn't have an effect on the economy was just so blatantly obvious to to the everyday person who was watching the news or just looking at what was happening around them. And so you saw this this conflict and the the lie really came to life here. You know what else is interesting is a lot of stories gave the impression that a lot of people who work for the federal government are working paycheck to paycheck. I remember Wilbur Ross had like, oh, why don't they just borrow the money? <laughs> well, so tone deaf, so incredibly, <laughs> like, read the room, dude. But I know he was at Davos, or I think maybe they actually pulled out, but he he, he was doing other stuff. He wasn't distracted. <laughs> oh, my God. I, the only thing I'll say on this is that saying that the shutdown revealed Trump's incompetence, I mean, in some ways, one can interpret that statement as just kind of a horse race statement. Oh, you know, he, he did poorly. He lost his battle. So good for the Democrats. But I think there is a bigger takeaway that maybe we'll get to later in the show about the fact that Trump is a, a dangerous, problematic president, obviously. But in some ways, what American democracy is being saved by is his incompetence. <laughs> and there's a question of whether this is actually a pattern among populist politicians or not. Many of them are political novices, and it turns out that being president or prime minister or you know whatever leadership position we're talking about is not an entry-level political job. Yeah. It turns out that you actually have to know what you're doing in order to, to affect policy, in order to get your priorities pursued effectively. And it's quite clear that Trump does not know what he's doing, and the people around him are not particularly helpful either. And so I think one reaction is to just laugh at his incompetence, but another is to realize that if we had a leader with similar priorities, with a similar ideology, but who was much more competent, who knew how to play the political game, we could... You've been listening to The Annex, an academic sociology podcast. You can visit our show site at sociocast.org annex. We are on Twitter at Sociannex and on Facebook, The Annex Sociology Podcast. Our producer is Laseth Moreno. Music by Lena Orsa. I'm Joseph Cohen. Thank you for listening. <laughs>